Um, so before I get started, I just want to take a few minutes and introduce myself and a little bit about what I do here at Oregon Trail. Um, so my name is Dusty, and I am the youth director here. And August, I will be celebrating three years with the church and ministry. Um, and aside from Sunday mornings with the youth and Wednesday nights, um, we offer a lot of awesome summer events one of them being camp, and it's a great opportunity for our students to invite their friends to see what church is all about. It's a super relaxed setting in the summer. We have a lot of fun, and from there, those kids can invite their families who may not know really a lot about church or what it's about. So summers are awesome for us. They're a lot of fun, but they also give us the opportunity to grow and share Christ. Um, I also am the lead teacher for the Middleton Launchpad um, program. We've had the um, CEO, I guess is what you would call him, Rock, um, the person that started Launchpad. He has came and spoke a few times for us. And um, what that is, is it's a Christian release class that the high school students can take in their schedule every day just like a regular class. We bus these students to our church and um, we give them a class period where they can just hang out and learn about God. And we have kids who go to church every week and know Christ and we have kids who are going because their friends are going and they don't really know anything. And so it's an opportunity for these kids to learn and to grow but to also just have God in there every day while they're at school. And so with that, we have a teacher that teaches, we have a separate teacher every single day, and we have a separate driver every single day. And so it takes a lot of people to make a week happen. So I just wanted to share that with you guys and let you know that as a congregation, this is what we are called to do. So if you are interested in learning about that or want to volunteer two hours in once a week, I would love to talk to you about it. Um, because we are always needing help with it. Um, the last thing I want to touch on that I am a part of is a program called Leadership Focus, which I have shared um, briefly with some of you. It is um, a class through the Church of God that I have been taking with another um, person in our congregation. We've kind of been walking side by side, and what that does is um, it has allowed me to just gain knowledge of Church of God and the Bible and just grow stronger in my faith. I have a group of people that I meet with every month through FaceTime. And um, every time that I have a meeting, I am growing closer to the end goal, which is ordination. So in February of 2021, if everything goes as planned, I will complete Leadership Focus and I will officially be the youth pastor, not the youth director. So that's really exciting for me. So thank you. <laughs> um, but I love what God has given me at Oregon Trail. I love the opportunity that I get to hang out with the teenagers here. And it is so much more than just playing games and having fun. You know, our goal is to grow these teens closer to Christ. We are disciples, and we're making disciples. And I love that I am given the opportunity to do that 
And aside from that, I am encouraged to come up here every once in a while and talk to the adults, which are much more intimidating than the teenagers. So <laughs> I am thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunity, and I love that I can step out of my comfort zone and do that because I'm told it gets easier. So, um, But with that being said, I want to pause and pray before we dive into God's word. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning, and thank you for each individual that was able to just come here and be ready and willing to hear what you have in your word, to hear what you have through me. And I pray that you be with us as we read your word, that you can open up our ears and our mind to what, what you need us to hear. And you know what is on every single person's heart. You know um, what we're struggling with, what we have praises for, and I just pray that you are with us in this time and you encourage us to grow and listen through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I got the honor of teaching John chapter 3, which is awesome because there are two very famous verses in John that a lot of people have either heard or they know it by heart. Um, I know before I became a believer, I probably heard the phrase John 3.16, but didn't know what it was. So it got me kind of thinking, where do we use this phrase, John 3.16, and, you know, we kind of just look it over. You know, we see it on um, home decor, people get tattoos of Bible verses, all these things. So I sought out the internet, and I found some good pictures to kind of depict just how society uses these. So this guy, I had to, he was all over when I searched John 3.16, so I had to research him a little bit. Um, he goes to live sporting events, and he sits where the action is most found, usually behind like the bat or the home plate or the goalpost. Um, and he wears a crazy wig, so people will notice him. And the goal in that is they'll notice him and they'll notice his shirt. And if they don't know what John 3.16 is, hopefully they'll look it up. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we also see Tim Tebow, and he's rocking his black stripes with the John 3.16 on there. He is a football player and a believer. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, I think most of us can probably speak to this. We have something in our home that has a Bible verse on it. Um, our home decor, you know, they are super cute. They have a little saying that kind of pertains to that verse, and then they have the little verse under it. And then I had to throw this one in there because it's just relevant to my life. But, um, you know, in the tattoo industry that my husband's in, we have people come in all the time for faith-based tattoos. So, you know, nothing wrong with it at all. I just had to throw it in there for fun. <laughs> so... But the goal today is ultimately to dive deeper and see exactly what Jesus meant when he said John 3.16. So we're going to go back to chapter 2 and look at what Pastor Brian finished up. Um, Jesus had just went to the temple and got angry with the merchants who were selling inside um, the walls of the temple. Um, he also performed his first miracle where he turned water into wine. And after that miracle that Jesus performed, he wraps up chapter 2 with verses 23 through 25. He says, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. 
But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. So I don't feel like that was, he was like giving us a compliment when he said that. He knew what was in each person's heart. It wasn't, it wasn't in a good way, right? He knew that we were evil, and he knew that them being excited and happy for him wasn't a reason to celebrate. So God knows our intentions. He knows our feelings, and he knows our motivations, the very core being of who we are. So when we wake up one morning and we say, I'm going to do this, he knows if we are really truly going to do it or not because he knows every inch of our being, every hair on our head. So at the end of two, when it says people were celebrating and beginning to trust him, but he didn't trust them, why? Because he knew, right? He knew about people and he knew people were evil. He knew the reason he was on the earth was because people were not going to turn away from their evil and selfish ways. And the whole end goal of that was that he he was coming to pay the ultimate price. So Jesus just turned water into wine. It was a miraculous sign. This is the first um, miracle that we see Jesus perform. And it was kind of the beginning of, of his story. His story is starting to unfold, and people are starting to hear about it. Nicodemus is one of those people, and John shares his interaction with Jesus at the beginning of chapter 3. So if you guys want to open your Bibles, if you didn't bring your Bible or you don't have one, there are Bibles in the seat pockets in front of you, and um, on your outlines, the page number for those Bibles is there. We're going to open to John chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. So if you want to follow along with me, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know what God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, How can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? So Nicodemus is a Pharisee. In fact, he was considered very high up, which we know because it tells us in chapter 10 when Jesus calls him out as a religious leader. John tells us in 10 that he is addressed as a respected Jewish leader. 
So by this point, he's heard about Jesus, and he's probably heard about what happened at the temple, and the tensions between the Pharisees and Jesus are starting to rise. So chances are this is the reason that Nicodemus is there. He wants to figure out who Jesus is and what is going on. Because he's performing miracles that only God's power is capable of doing. And Nicodemus knows this because he tells us this. He says, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he knows that Jesus has God with him. But he doesn't even seem to recognize the possibility that Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus confirms that he's in fact divine, but Nicodemus just doesn't understand. They're kind of in this quarrel back and forth, and he explains, Jesus explains to him what it means to be saved in several different forms. Um, And Nicodemus' response is, how are these things possible? So I don't know about you guys, but if I was in Nicodemus' shoes and I was talking to Jesus, I would probably have the same response because we just have a human way of thinking. So Jesus gets frustrated, of course, because he's trying to explain this over and over, and Nicodemus keeps saying, I don't understand. How is this possible? So Jesus gets frustrated because he, Nicodemus is just one track. He just doesn't understand. He isn't really willing to expand. And Jesus kind of thinks back, or it, it comes back to Jesus being at the temple. You know, he got frustrated because these Pharisees didn't understand why Jesus was so upset that the Pharisees were allowing the, um, the merchants to be in the temple, in the walls of the temple. So he's frustrated now because Nicodemus doesn't understand these spiritual matters. He should understand them more than many because he is a religious leader. He is a teacher. He studies the Bible. He knows what the Messiah is and what it means when he comes. So why doesn't Nicodemus understand? Because the heart is empty and in need of a savior. This is a fact. We know this because it outlines it in the text. This Bible, the whole reason the book was written was because of this statement right here. Jesus came because we needed him, because our hearts are empty. Nicodemus comes at night. Now my guess here being that he doesn't want the other Pharisees or people for that matter to know that he is going to meet this person. He's ashamed because for once he doesn't know what is going on. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know who this person is or what he's capable of doing. So with that nighttime obviously comes darkness. And there's no coincidence that Nicodemus came at night because Nicodemus was empty and he was searching for something. And what he was searching for was Jesus. And Jesus represents light. So Nicodemus, in his darkness and in his emptiness, was searching for light, which is exactly what he found when he came to Jesus. So we are going to continue um, through John. We're going to pick up at chapter 3, yeah, chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. And this tells us, No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven 
And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do not... But for those who do what is right, come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So 19 through 21, I want to touch on and then come back to it because it it is important. And I think it really represents the reality that we don't want to face about ourselves. So it tells us the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for their sin, for fear of their sins being exposed. So do you guys ever find yourself in a position of feeling like you want to do better or change that bad habit but you don't because you get comfortable? You know, or you're worried about what other people think? You know, I think that Nicodemus had good intentions when he went to Jesus. He wanted to learn, and he wanted to know and understand. But I think that the fear of what he had to go back and tell other people scared him. I think it pushed him from that, and it pushed him away from that light and back into that darkness. You know, we are often afraid of what will happen when we change or when we come to the light. But God wants us to do better. He wants us to come to the light. He wants us to bring our sins and our mistakes to him and ask for forgiveness. Why? Because he loves us. John 3.16 tells us just how big his heart is. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is such a powerful message. God loved the world. So I have this video that I want to show you, which kind of sums up what John 3.16 says in just a few phrases and a few pictures.
So why did God give us this? Because he loved the world. So God loves the world because God's heart is full of love. He recognizes our bad habits and our mistakes, and he chooses to love us unconditionally. And all that he asks is that we accept him and love him back. His heart is full of love. Just like when our children come to us and make a mistake, we forgive them because we love them. God will forgive us 70 times 7, he tells us, over and over, because he loves us. So we've seen Nicodemus and his struggle with understanding Jesus. But the next story in chapter 3 sheds a light on someone who is the exact opposite. Someone who understands Jesus and his reason for coming better than probably most people so we're going to read John chapter 3, verses 22 through, 20 through, 22 through 36, as we finish up chapter 3. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this point, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon, near Salim, because there was plenty of water there. People kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know plainly how I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who does not obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. I feel like that is pretty self-explanatory there for us. You know, John, so John the Baptist is not the person that wrote the book of John. John Uh, One of Jesus' disciples wrote the book of John, and he is talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, his followers, have just voiced their concern with John about Jesus taking their followers. So John isn't concerned at all. In fact, the last thing we really hear from John, because it states in 24 that he was put in prison shortly after, um, was in verse 30. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. That was his response when his followers told him, get mad. 
And he was like, that's not what we're here to do. So his disciples take this process of purification with baptizing, and they turn it into a bow of jealousy. They compare when they talk of Jesus taking John's followers. But John's response, they must be, I must be, he must become greater, I must become less. So I don't know about you guys, but that is a really humble thing to say. You know, we oftentimes don't want to hand projects off to other people because we feel like we could do it better. And um, in my leadership focus class, I got a really good piece of advice. I said, I'm struggling with this ministry because I feel like I'm doing everything by myself all the time. You know, I am preparing lessons and games and cleanup, and it's just exhausting. And he said, if somebody can do it to 80% of your ability, you need to let them do it so they can get to 100%. And I was like, well, what if I can do it better, you know? And so it's funny because I struggle with this because even though I feel like I can do it better, somebody else can do it better or get to that point if I let them. And so he stepped aside and he said, no, the light is not on me. The light needs to be on Jesus. He needs to have more followers than me because that is why he is here. So we see similar conflicts like this in our church even today. You know, people leave the church and we get personally offended like it was something we did. But who are we to know that they won't grow substantially somewhere else? That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be transformed because of him. He wants us to accept him because he loves us. And if we're not being fed at the church that we are at, then we need to find a church that can feed us. We need to grow our faith and be given the tools to do so. And we need to find a church that can help us do that. Because the human heart, see, I do that again. (laughs) The human heart is transformed as we journey with Jesus. This is the first time I used the clicker, okay? So this really wraps up what John is wanting us to know in this chapter. He starts the story off with Nicodemus, who is empty and dark. He's really just missed the mark of what Jesus is wanting him to know. He, his heart is dark, and in turn, he just doesn't understand. So the Pharisees were great at following God's law which is ironic because they were the best. They were better than most, and oftentimes they tend to look down on other people when they weren't following the law. So they move the light off of God and onto themselves. However, John takes us into a story of somebody who is the complete opposite. He shows us John the Baptist and what it looks like when you fully embrace God's light. So he turns people to Christ. He he focused on God and his plan, and that was to bring people to his light. John shows us the understanding of Nicodemus because his heart is empty and dark. He also shows us the understanding of John the Baptist, whose heart is full of light and full of Christ. So I found that in verses 20 and 21, I didn't put them on the outline, However, I loved the contrast in it, and I just want to read it and show you that in verse 21, he tells us, I'm sorry, in verse 20, he tells us, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. So the Pharisees didn't feel they were evil. 
In fact, they were above everyone else, and that was the problem. They were full of evil and darkness and ashamed of being wrong that they avoided the light that Jesus offered. Because once you step into God's light and you realize that you've done something and you have these evil deeds that need to come to light so you can heal, it hurts. And, you know, sometimes we're ashamed or we're nervous or we're worried and we don't want to reveal that. We don't want to reveal that to somebody who can ultimately judge us in front of our face, let alone reveal it to the ultimate God. So he just had this struggle with this darkness because once you step into light, the hurt comes, but the healing comes. And that's what God wants because he loves us. He knows that we will hurt when we come to that light, but he also knows the bigger picture. And he knows that if we are willing to transform which takes us into verse 21, then we can see that light that God has for us. Verse 20 tells us, Those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. You know, we've gotten past this threshold of this evil and this darkness, and we've stepped into God's light, and we're willing to just let God work on us and heal us and transform our hearts. And that reward is huge. He shines his light on people so others can see and know that we are blessed by him. How amazing is that? We are blessed by God's light because we have given up the darkness and we are willing to step into the light and we are willing to give everything to God so he can transform us. So the final thought that I have for you guys today these two famous verses tell a story. They reveal the heart of God and how the hu- heart of God and how the human heart is transformed if we follow God. Where is your heart? So as we finish up this morning and the worship team comes back up, I encourage you guys to really evaluate your heart and figure out, are you like Nicodemus? You're talking with God, but you're maybe not fully listening or willing to Step into the light and see what God wants you to work on. Or are you willing to be ready to do what God tells you so that he may become greater in your life? You know, our goal is to become closer to God tomorrow than we are today. And I say that because Brian says it all the time, and it's so true. We need to be continually journeying because we need to continually be stepping in the light Because that one day that we don't step into the light and we stay in the darkness, just what can happen? You know, we need to be conscious and aware of where we are standing with Christ.